looking at Jonah this evening, and we probably have heard, no doubt, numerous, numerous lessons on Jonah. And you probably could look at Jonah from various different ways, try to focus on different aspects of it. But when I look at Jonah chapter 1, I see a prophet who is running from his responsibilities. And in Jonah chapter 1, which we know very well, Jonah, we think of Jonah many times, the first thing we think of is a great fish prepared by God that swallows a man whole and then later vomits him, vomits him out on dry land. Uh, but there's much, much more that we can learn from Jonah. Has God given fellow, has God given Christians responsibilities? Has God given those who follow Him responsibilities? If you look in the Old Testament, look in the New Testament, we find that where those who are followers of God have certain responsibilities, not only to themselves, but also even to others. In reality, we can't get past Cain and Abel without the question, you know, am I my brother's keeper? That's a question we have looked at many, many times. We are, throughout the Bible we see, we are to look out for one another. There are no doubt responsibilities given to those who are followers of God. But what happens if a man doesn't follow through, or a person, rather, follow through with his responsibilities, especially those given to him by God? We're going to begin this morning, or this evening rather, by looking at Jonah chapter 1, looking at the command and the disobedience first, as we look at the first three verses of Jonah. And we find in Jonah chapter 1, looking at verse 1, the Bible says here, we have this command, but first it tells us a small portion about who Jonah is. The Bible says, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, now, he is the son of Amittai, and the word, or that name Amittai, actually means my truth. Which is interesting, because in reality, isn't that what Jonah is supposed to be bringing to Nineveh? It was truth. And the truth was, they needed to repent. But I find that interesting that his father's name means my truth. But nonetheless, we find here in verse 1, he is the son of Amittai. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Meaning the Lord revealed these things to him. Jonah is recorded as being a prophet of God. And in verse 2, the word of the Lord says what? Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, depending on what you're looking at, whether you're talking about the inner walls of Nineveh walking across the city, some say it takes about eight days. Others say if you include Nineveh in the greater regions of Nineveh, it could be anywhere between 60 miles but it would seem, at least in my opinion, that what Jonah was to walk across would have been probably about eight miles, shouting out to them, crying out to them to repent. Because as you find here in verse 2, the Bible says, their wickedness has come up before God. Now, this is what Jonah was to bring to Nineveh. It was the truth. It was this message of repentance. Nineveh, however, was also known historically for having problems. And it seems during Jonah's time they were once again struggling. They were once again doing evil. And so Jonah was to go to this city. The Bible says there, uh, the Lord calls it this great city. It doesn't necessarily mean a city of great size or perhaps a city of great importance. Or maybe a city just of large population but not necessarily a large area of land. Regardless, he calls it this great city. And he says, and crowd against it. You think about that phrase, it doesn't just say preach to it, it doesn't say teach to it, he says to cry out and notice against it. 
That is, that his message was going to be one that was going to go against their current actions. Because their current actions were doing things that were going against God and going against his word. So he, they, he is to crowd against it there in verse 2. He says, for their wickedness, that is their sin, has come up before me. Which means the Lord is taking special notice, you might say, of their sin and of their wickedness. But we find in verse 3, as you really think about Jonah, no doubt Nineveh is of great importance, but the most focus throughout the book is on Jonah's command received, that he received from God and his reaction to it, and actually also his attitude towards Nineveh. Nineveh is no doubt a source of concern in Jonah, but the focus really is upon Jonah's actions and his inactions and his obedience and his refusal uh, to, to obey, and also his attitude towards Nineveh as well, as we look at the latter chapters of Jonah. But if we look at verse 3, we find Jonah's response, and his response is one of disobedience. If you look at verse 3, the Bible says, But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish. Now, this tells us that it was deliberate. It wasn't by mistake. It wasn't like me sometimes. You'd say takes the wrong turn. This was a deliberate turning away from God, trying to run away from Him, and not obey His command to go to Nineveh. The Bible says there in verse 3, He rose to flee. tells us His intent. His, his intent was to get away from God, which, of course, we know is not possible. And in reality, we probably realize that Jonah knew that as well, but he didn't want to go to Nineveh. And so he, he went to Tarshish instead. He wanted to go to Tarshish to flee from the presence of the Lord. And the Bible says he went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with him to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. It wasn't like he just walked outside and started going down the street going the other direction. There were multiple steps that Jonah took that shows us a deliberate walking away from God. You notice there in verse 3, he went down to Joppa, that's one. He had found a ship, there's another one. He paid the fare, there's the third one. The fourth one, he finally boards the boat. All are deliberate actions to go against God's command. It wasn't some, some way for Jonah to say, look, I didn't realize I was disobeying. No, he knew what he was disobeying. He knew what he was doing. Those steps tells us, show us his deliberate intent to get away from Nineveh and to purposely and deliberately disobey God. Now think about this for a moment. Jonah was disobeying God, but also, what was this? How would this affect Nineveh if Jonah was not going to go to Nineveh? If he said disobey God and he never went to Nineveh, what would happen to Nineveh? They'd be punished by God. <clears throat> Because the purpose of Jonah going to Nineveh was to crowd against it, warning them so they might repent and so they wouldn't face the wrath of God. But if Jonah never went and God said, you know what, I'm not going to send someone else, I'm just going to pour my wrath against them, could you say that Jonah would be at least partly to blame for their destruction? Yes, because he disobeyed God. Now we know that's not how the story goes. We know that Jonah will eventually go to Nineveh. But we, I think we can see he really doesn't want to go at any point. He wants to be one who obeys God, but he doesn't, he doesn't want to go to Nineveh. And those two things don't go together, does it? And so he takes those four steps there in verse 3 to deliberately go away from God. He goes to Joppa, he finds a ship, he pays the fare, and he gets on the boat to deliberately disobey God. 
Jonah would reveal how he had hard feelings towards Nineveh, and God would address those things later in this book. But we know that Jonah had some harsh feelings towards the people of Nineveh. Looking at verse 4 and following, have Jonah's confession that would come about and that the eventual plunge into the sea, or maybe really a, a drop into the sea. But we look at verses 4 through 10, we find Jonah's confession. But it's also interesting that Jonah get on the boat and immediately tell everybody what, what, why he was there and what he was doing there and his whole purpose. The Bible tells us, no, he didn't. In fact, the Bible tells us when Jonah got on the boat, he went down into it, went to sleep, and it would seem he didn't tell anyone anything. It also seems, as we'll talk about a little bit later, that they didn't even know who he was completely. And so he goes down to the boat, he goes into, into the boat itself and lays down. Look at verse 4 and following. <clears throat> but the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. Now this, that first phrase there, but the Lord tells you that things aren't going to go as Jonah had hoped. Because no matter what man does, no matter what plans man lays out, when God says, I'm going to intervene because this is what I want to actually take place, you better notice things are going to change drastically. And for Jonah, that, that, that phrase, but the Lord, means the Lord's going to react to what Jonah has done. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so the ship was about to be broken up. That means, literally, the ship is about to just be ripped apart. It's going to fall apart in the sea because of this tremendous storm that has come up. A great wind on the sea, there's a mighty tempest or a mighty storm on the sea, so the ship is about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God. So these are pagans, right? They're calling out their false gods. Keeping in mind, Jonah, as we're going to see in a moment, is down in the sh inside the ship asleep. The Bible doesn't reveal how Jonah is able to sleep. I don't really understand how a person can sleep during a storm like that on a boat. Me, personally, I get motion sickness, so you can guarantee I'd be awake. But Jonah was not. He was down inside the boat asleep, as we're going to see in a moment. But we find here these, these mariners, while this storm is going on, they're afraid the ship's about to be broken up. They cry out to, to, each one cries out to his, to his God, and he threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down to the lowest parts of the ship, had laid down, and was fast asleep. Now these men were convinced that the ship's about to be destroyed because they're throwing cargo over sea. You know, when you travel by boat, especially during this time period, your cargo means something. And probably going to be selling something or even their own supplies. And so throwing out these things is the last effort before the ship is just totally destroyed. But Jonah is asleep, as we find in verse 5. Verse 6 says, So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God, because you remember they had done all this. And so they're wanting Jonah to call upon his God. He says, Perhaps your God will consider us that we may not perish. Now we look at verse 7. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause the trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and a lot fell, fell on Jonah. Now it seems that probably, perhaps, the most they knew about Jonah at this point was his name and where he was wanting to go. Because Jonah's going to explain to, to them who he is. Now we know that casting lots was done several times in the Bible. 
And we find here it's used to determine who, you know, whose fault it was. And it just happens to fall on Jonah. Now, lots could be just simply rocks or stones that would tumble and allow you to have one side face up, and you would write names or whatever it is you're trying to divide up on one side, and then you roll those things, and that's how you decide. But Jonah was a name who came up. We look at verse 8, so they said to him, Please tell us whose cause is this trouble upon us, for whose cause is this, is this trouble upon us? And what is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And, if, and, and, of, what people are you, and of what people are you? And so the lot falls on Jonah. They just start drilling him with questions. Tell us more about you, where you're going, where you're from, all those types of things, right? Verse 9. Now, notice, keep in mind, in order to find out all this information, they had to go down and wake him up, cast lots, because he didn't just volunteer the information, and then ask him these things. Jonah was not very free with information up until this point. Now I think one of the reasons you find that is because Jonah knew that he was in the wrong. Jonah knew that he had no business being on that boat. He knew he was disobeying God. Looking at verse 9, So he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And notice verse 10. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Now, whether he told them in the midst of verse 9 or he told them perhaps as he came onto the ship, it doesn't really seem clear, but they knew at least by this point what was going on. But notice their reaction in verse 10. Why have you done this? Isn't it interesting that, yes, the Lord calls out Jonah, so to speak, by first by the storm, but it's these pagan men who follow after a false god who ask him, why have you done this? Why are you trying to flee from the presence of the Lord? They are the first ones, you might say, who called Jonah out. Now, Jonah knew he was in the wrong. Jonah knew he had disobeyed God, but he got on the boat anyway. And that's what we find in verse 10. Jonah knew long before the storm ever starts that he was in the wrong. The second he went the opposite direction as God told him to go, he was in the wrong. Jonah knew it, and he went anyway. Verse 10 tells us that Jonah did wrong, knowing he was doing wrong the whole entire time. You might say, yes, he did fear the Lord, but it seemed he didn't fear the Lord quite enough, right? Or he would have gone to Nineveh in the first place. The very first time. We continue reading here, looking next at Jonah's plunge, beginning in verse 11. Beginning in verse 11. I don't know why this on there. Jonah 1, verse 11 here says, And in, the day you, in, in that day you stood on the other side. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Jonah 1, verse 11. That's what I Jonah 1, verse 11. And they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may, may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more... Tempestuous. The storm is getting worse, right? There in Jonah 1, verse 11. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that this great tempest is because of me. Again, Jonah knew that he was in the wrong. He, was knew, he knew he was in the wrong before he got in the boat. Again, he, he knew these things all along, but he did them anyway. He did them anyway. Look at verse 12. Excuse me, look at verse 13. 
Nevertheless, the men rolled hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. It only got worse. Now, to these men's credit, they didn't want to throw him over overboard because they, maybe they feared he was going to die in a storm. So they tried to roll hard to land there in verse 13. But what happened? It only gets worse. Verse 14, Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please not let us perish for this man's life. And do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. What are they saying? We're going to throw Jonah overboard and not hold it against us. That's basically what they're saying. Now, it's interesting, Jonah said, now notice, I think really the reason they're saying this is they feel like they're going to condemn him to death, right? But you remember the first one he said, throw me overboard, was Jonah. He, now, remember when Jonah said, he said back in verse uh, verse 12, he says, pick me up and throw me into the sea, then the sea will become, <clears throat> will become calm for you. Now, it'll become calm for, for the mariners, right? But we, could, but we know what's going to happen when Jonah's thrown into the sea, don't we? It won't really be calm for him because we know there's a great fish waiting for him prepared by God, right? So the mariners are now going to be safe when Jonah is cast overboard. Jonah not necessarily. But nonetheless, it would seem there in verse 14, they're afraid that he's going to, be, he's going to die when they cast him overboard. So they say here in verse 14, Do not charge us, us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased. From its raging, Jonah 1, verse 15. And so they, so they finally pick him up and they throw him overboard. Look at verse 16. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows, verse 16. Now it's unclear <clears throat> if this is a one-time act. The Bible doesn't reveal what happened to these men other than at this time they offered sacrifices to the Lord. It could have been a one-time act. It could have been a beginning of a new life for them. But I always think about that vow there in verse 16. No doubt it could be including many things that are religious, but you think they included one logical thing in that? For anyone else gets on one of our boats, we're asking a whole lot more about them, aren't we? Let's not let another Jonah get on the boat. Now Jonah could have been very deceptive. As we know, he didn't seem to offer just too much information. But their vows, they see no doubt, they're going to have to be much different men. And their offerings up to God may be a one-time act, it's not clear. But no doubt they knew that the God of Jonah was not like their so-called gods. And we find in verse 17 that the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights there in verse 17. Now, some lessons we can learn from all these things. The first one we can think about, or I think about, is that we cannot run from the responsibilities that God has given us. Jonah had a responsibility. He was a prophet of God. He was charged to go to Nineveh, and he directly and deliberately disobeyed God. He ran, and he actually, I think in my opinion, tried to hide as well. Now, we know from the psalmist, as we read there in the psalms, talks about how no matter if we make our home in, 
in, in the heavens and we make her a home in, in the depths of, depths of the earth. The Lord will find us, basically. There's no more we can hide from God. Jonah is another example of that. We think about Jonah chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. As we'll go back in a moment, we know that Jonah ran and that God punished him. Because Jonah wasn't just running from God, he was running from his responsibilities to other men, wasn't he? He was, his responsibilities were to go to Nineveh to warn them that they were going to be punished like God and didn't repent. And Jonah instead ran the other way. He wanted nothing to do with Nineveh. And so God would punish him for doing so. Should we expect anything different today if we neglect our responsibilities given to us by God? You know, everyone may not do what is right when we talk with them when we try to encourage them to do what is, what is pleasing in the sight of God, but we still have responsibilities to our fellow man. And we look at Job chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Again, what did God tell Jonah? Verse 2, Arise and go to Nineveh. What was the great command there in verse 2? It's not, it's not the crying out, it's the go. The same word we find in the Great Commission, isn't it? To go. Before we can start any outreach of any type, we have to first go. And the first thing God tells, tells Jonah there in verse 2 is to what? Go. He couldn't preach to them and cry out to them, but he didn't first go to them. And so you could say that Jonah obeyed the very first command that's given here in verse 2. He didn't go. He didn't just go and then not cry out against it. He didn't just go and cry out against part of it. He didn't go at all. He never went. He disobeyed that first command of go to Nineveh. Judgment Day is that day, is a day just, is just that, a day of judgment. Not of what man thinks is okay or right or acceptable. It's a day of judgment that is based upon God's standards and not man's. Was Jonah trying to judge Nineveh based on his own standards? Yes. Remember the last chapter of Jonah, as we'll talk about in later lessons? One of Jonah's last recorded words are that, you know, basically the last idea you get from Jonah is that these people are not going to truly repent. They're going to perish. And how sad that was some of his last recorded thoughts concerning his fellow man. Man's command from God has always been to go. Jonah's command was the same that Christ gave to the apostles. It was to go. And man is successful when we go. Salvation and repentance remains with the individual, not with the messenger. We bring the message. We bring the warning. We bring the caution. But those who, who hear it, it's their responsibility to react. It's their responsibility to make the change. It's not us. You know, if it's up to us, wouldn't we have a lot of people we have tied up and drug in here because that's where they need to be? But that wouldn't change anything, would it? And let me be wrong. There's plenty of people, and i got plenty of rope that we could tie them up and bring them in here. But that's not going to change anything, is it? Because their heart says, I don't want to be here. On the day of judgment, isn't Christ going to answer them from the heart as well? You don't get to come in here? That's one of the scariest things to think about, isn't it? If our heart is not right and ready to be where we ought to be and doing what we ought to be doing today, on the day of judgment, Christ from His heart is going to tell us, depart from me, isn't He? 
Both will respond from the heart. We respond from the heart today. On the day of judgment, you count that the Lord will respond from the heart as well. Salvation and repentance remains of the individual, not the messenger. When Christ went out preaching and teaching, when the apostles went out preaching and teaching, when the disciples went out preaching and teaching, when we preach and teach and talk to people, those whose responsibility it is to do what is right, it's not us, it is the person whom we are trying to talk to. If it, was, if it rested upon the messenger, wouldn't that mean that Christ failed? Because how many people heard Christ but didn't obey? Wouldn't that mean that Peter failed because so many people heard him but never obeyed? But Peter didn't fail. Christ didn't fail. What failed is the heart of mankind. And the same problem still today. Running from responsibilities is disobedience. And what is disobedience? It's sin. It's sin. We can point fingers and say, well, it's this person's responsibility. It's this person's responsibility. We paid you to do this. We paid you to that. No, in the Bible we find it's the Christian's responsibility, isn't it? We find, in, if you look at the, the church in the book of Acts, when they were scattered, with just the apostles who were scattered, was the whole church scattered. The Bible says the whole church was scattered, right? And what did they do when they were scattered? They went out and they preached and they taught and they influenced those that they came in contact with. The church itself did that. Running from responsibilities is disobedience. If we want to help others, we must remember the command that still stands today, go. We must go. It may be going next door. It may be going overseas. It may be making some calls and making arrangements. Whatever it may be, we have to go to those who are not doing that which is right. We're talking about those who are Christians who have fallen away and those who have never obeyed the gospel. Now, I fully understand because I've experienced it just like many of you. When we go to someone and they don't do what is right. Maybe they tell you they will. You know, if I heard all the times I've heard, I'll see you Sunday. You ever heard that? I know I'm not the only one that's heard that. If that was the case, boy, would this building be full, wouldn't it? Yeah, how many times have you heard that phrase? You know, what's really sad to think about is people don't, don't realize many times is that the Lord hears that same thing. I'll see you Sunday. Friends, if we don't mean it, don't say it. We know why Jonah didn't go to Nineveh? Because he didn't do... He didn't go because he really didn't want to go. You know, he knew it was in the wrong, but at least he was honest about it, right? He didn't go and not preach against him and do it half-heartedly. He didn't go at all. Now, God rebuked him for it, but one thing is for sure about Jonah, you knew where he stood. He didn't want to go. He didn't go. God rebuked him for it. Jonah went. Jonah still wasn't right, and God still rebuked him for it, didn't he? Jonah was a very hard-headed person, as we're going to talk about later in our later lessons. But one thing is for sure, he wasn't a fraud. With Jonah, what you saw is what you got, wasn't it? He wanted to go, he didn't go. But one thing is also for sure is that God is not a fraud either. And when Jonah ran, God was right beside him. You can't run from God. And so what did God do to Jonah? The Bible tells us he responded with, you're going, right? He rebuked him. He gave him time to get his heart right. If you think about the, the time, chapter 2 is all about Jonah getting his heart right. 
going to Nineveh, and then Jonah still had a relapse, and God still came back at him. God didn't back off with Jonah. You think about that. He stood his ground with Jonah. With all his hard-headedness and all his faults, God still told Jonah what he needed to hear. You know, we can learn from that. We can still tell people they need to hear. With love and with gentleness, but we still have to tell people they want to hear. But their responsibility is to, is to respond in a way that's, that's pleasing to God. If they do not do so, friends, that's up to them. But let us do our part. Let us be those who go and learn from, from Jonah's mistake of trying to run from our responsibilities. 